Hello, and welcome to the Moral Minority Show. I am your host, Joshua Luckett, and I am joined by my co-host, Kenny Curley. What's up, what's up? And following up from our last episode, we are going to talk about the history of the black church. Um, It's so interesting, Kenny, Mm -hmm. like with this particular topic, um, the amount of misinformation and and the, and the amount of ways that the black church is misunderstood mm-hmm. is pretty phenomenal to me because of how big and how important the black church ha- it has been and continues to be in American history. Mm-hmm. Like, it is like, it has a very massive impact on so much of U.S. history and so much of even modern context of America. Mm-hmm. And yet, which probably is a huge reason why it's misunderstood, yeah, but yeah. but but also it's just like it's well, so interesting. Because Ron DeSantis that, is taking education. That's a huge reason why. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, and it's like even some of the negative stereotypes of the black church will get are interesting to me simply because of how impactful the black church has been, mm-hmm. and we'll get to a lot of that in this episode. But um, but yeah. Um, Excited for this deep dive. Yep. Always know I am um, a lay historian on the black church here. I just read a lot of books. Uh, so is, uh, this is comes from academic research, but I'm not an academic. So like know that this is going to kind of just be like a big overview. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and uh, um, we're not going to like go too deep into the weeds of details for the sake of the you know structure of the how long the episodes are but um but this should be fun mm-hmm. and uh the biggest thing is while we have politicians trying to erase our history in Florida and Texas and mm-hmm. probably many other states to come like Oklahoma yep yep we're going to push back against that by doing whatever we can to put information out there because it's important. Um, so this is uh, this is for all of our friends in Florida. Um, so let's let's start by defining our terms. The history of the Black Church would be a very long conversation if it was simply the history of the Black Church we would have to go all the way back to the beginning of Christianity and work our way all the way up to now. Yep. So we're talking about the history of the black American church, would that's you say? It. That's okay. it. We so we're specifically in the history of the African American church. Um, so we can start with its inception. Mm-hmm. And the inception has significant myths. Mm-hmm. So the ones that we all heard growing up, are well slavery was wrong and evil but thank god that it brought all those poor africans from africa to america to be civilized and the christian version of that was thank god they brought all those pagan africans Mm -hmm. over to america to receive you know the gospel Mm -hmm. so there was that myth um the the myth a lot of times from african-americans who are outside of the black church and who have big critiques of the black church are well you you know a lot of our ancestors caved to a white man's religion Mm -hmm. um 
they were, you know, um, simple slaves who didn't know any better and they were brainwashed and manipulated by Christianity and it's mm. been really problematic throughout yeah. our history or whatever. Um, and so to dispel that myth, okay. let's just start with <clears throat> a couple basic premises about people who are oppressed. Okay. Oppressed people normally don't embrace the religion of their oppressors mm -hmm. just it, if someone tied you up in a in a basement and beat you every day and didn't feed you mm -hmm. and told you about the god they believe in i doubt that kennedy curly would then go on to believe in that god yeah, that makes sense to me <laughs> <laughs> so oppressors oppressed people don't normally embrace the religion of their oppressors and so originally um there was a significant amount of skepticism towards um, Christianity mm -hmm. for African slaves. Okay, so what would what got them over the the, the skepticism then? They begin to make a distinction between the Christianity that either they saw in the Bible mm -hmm. had expressed to them through visions or had communicated to them through other various channels. Okay. And they contrasted that with the Christianity that was being practiced by their slaves masters. Okay. Um, so, so kind of like you and me, we <laughs> do it contrast one-to-one, one, baby. The Christianity do it, of the people who taught us that um, I don't know, rap music was bad <laughs> versus the Christianity <laughs> where I could where I can enjoy art and uh, enjoy the complication the right. complicated nature of art. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, there it is, bang. Um, but yes, so early on there was uh, contrary to the belief that we came to you know, we were um our ancestors were brought to America and were um, saved from pagan religion, contrary to that uh, narrative. Um, actually, early on, a lot of slave masters refused to evangelize mm. their slaves right. for uh, multiple reasons. One, they didn't believe they had a soul. Mm. So you don't you don't evangelize a dog or an animal, mm. you know. Um, I've done that once, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was a child. How, uh, did you really want your dog to go to heaven what yep was? and she's there right now so. <laughs> <laughs> so those slave masters had no excuse to my <laughs> you want your slaves in heaven <laughs> go, <laughs> go on <laughs> Jeez. so this is an educational uh, podcast and you know what but that was good that yep. was good that was good uh the you know the the analogy uh clearly works there that mm -hmm. it was kind of a silly notion but um so they didn't believe they had souls. Two, there was the idea, because because Christians did not enslave one another in Europe, mm -hmm. or in, or in uh, particularly in you know um, it was it was kind of a it, it it happened right, but it was one of those like understood things that we should not do that to each other. Right. Right? Christians should not enslave one another, mm -hmm. and so. Uh, uh, Salvation would have been tantamount to emancipation mm. um, for at least in a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of their understanding. And so um, 
so there was a a resistance to evangelize slaves for those reasons mm-hmm. um and so there was a restriction on bible reading for slaves they they could not they were not allowed to learn how to read or learn how to read their bibles mm-hmm. there was a restriction on uh private religious services and private religious acts there are narratives of slaves being beaten for praying being um sometimes uh beaten to the point of death for uh having personal religious um expression or practices um uh there was so that restriction on reading um and obviously there was a an attempt to hide the genuine doctrinal aspects of christianity from slaves Mm -hmm. because there was a lot of i don't know if they would have called it abolitional language Mm -hmm. but there was certainly a lot of like freedom liberation redemptive language in the scriptures so i guess what would have made what what then i guess propelled them to eventually evangelize to slaves like how did they get access to yeah yeah so um so eventually there were so um jamar tisby talks about this in his book the color of compromise eventually there were um certain denominations began to loosen those restrictions and open up evangelism to the slave population uh so that was one aspect Another aspect was uh, there was the Great Awakening, which was a huge spiritual revival in uh, Northeast, in Northeast America. When About when was that again? Uh, I think Jonathan Edwards era, this uh, Puritans, early 1700s, okay. kind of. Um, uh, early to mid, I guess. Okay. Um, because he's before the American Revolution. Yeah, looks like um, it says uh, 1730s and 40s. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was huge because it was kind of like everyone was evangelizing everyone. There was a huge spiritual revival. Interestingly enough, there were conversations amongst the Puritans mm-hmm. that America was a Christian nation, quote unquote, but they really needed to deal with slavery. So there was kind of a a a consciousness that was growing in America, which we'll get to in a second, as far mm-hmm. as like a. Uh, you know, kind of a more anti-slavery mm-hmm. position. Um, the biggest one, though. So, yes, slaves got a little bit more access to the Bible. More gospel preaching was done to them, things of that nature. The biggest one, though, was slaves begin to have um, miraculous visions okay. and dreams. Um, that was actually quite like in in a lot of the documented uh spiritual testimonies of slaves they would talk about you know falling in love with jesus through meeting him in a dream talking to him in a dream having a vision a lot of their callings to ministry were always through some type of uh, special revelation type thing um which makes a lot of sense. A lot of them were not allowed to read the Bible, so a lot of them found access to God through God. God. Right. <laughs> like literally, God was like, "Okay, I'll just come." <clears throat> you know? right. So, contrary to the idea of the slave masters evangelizing uh-huh. their slaves, it was 
God right. evangelizing <laughs> the slaves. Uh, um, but um, so, yeah, and then once they got access to the Bible, they begin to see things like, of course, the liberation of Israel from Egypt, mm-hmm. um, the sufferings of Jesus, and they uh, but were able to see that Jesus could empathize with their mm-hmm. suffering. Um, and uh, they also just saw the nature of God and the nature of Jesus mm-hmm. and found it difficult to correlate that with the, um, with the slave master's understanding of Jesus and their behavior. What's really interesting, and we will talk about this throughout this episode, is the sophisticated arguments that slaves begin to build against slavery okay theologically that's true um we'll get to a little bit more of what the look of the black church during this time period was but real quick so basically really the abolitionist movement really 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 picked up during the american revolution Mm -hmm. and kind of the beginning of america after we won the revolutionary war Mm -hmm. declaration of independence constitution all that obvious contradiction right hey, Britain's this big, evil, nasty empire that's, you know, oppressing us Uh and we're about to break free and now we own slaves. (laughs) But um, so that was a great kind of segue for slaves to push in and be like, hey, Mm -hmm. you guys are fighting for freedom. Like, do you feel the contradiction? And so we got um, collective writings from northerners northern african americans um or africans at this point african i guess northern african americans is fine Uh but the slaves weren't american citizens right um we got uh really good writings from black preachers predominantly from the north okay but basically um making really good arguments against slavery i'll just do a couple um so they said, how is it possible uh, to, f- how is it possible for me, for you to say that you are bearing, that we are, because the Bible says to bear one another's burdens. How is it possible for you to say that you're bearing my burdens when you're giving me a burden as a slave master? Yeah. They would argue, how is it possible for me to follow other aspects of the Bible if you relegate my existence to slavery. Mm-hmm. Um, so I can't possibly be a good father, a good spouse, a good uh, uh, a provider for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, all of those, like that, that family, the, the Ephesians 5, mm-hmm. I can't be obedient to Ephesians, in the ending of 5 and the beginning of Ephesians chapter 6, if later on in chapter 6, you keep relegating me to masters or obe- uh, slaves obey your masters, right? Or even split my family. Literally, mm. yeah. Like family separation has been an American tradition, right? You know, and so uh, really sophisticated arguments, and and I and I and hold that note because I'm going to get back to that later on. Mm. But um, so so yeah, and then as far as the actual look of the black church during this time, um. I'm going to focus on the South because while there were a lot of great Northern uh, African-American thinkers like Jupiter Hammond and um, 
Daniel Alexander Payne and Lemuel Haynes and different guys like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to focus on the because it, it the, the what was happening in the South was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. So you'd have slaves who would obviously sneak off in deep into the marshes, marshes, and um, have church service. And what would happen there? I, what what I would give to have a time machine to go back and see it. Like, imagine the jubilee and the joy of being in a space where they were finally allowed to be themselves. Mm-hmm. There was nobody there. There was no... At this point, this was allowed? No. Okay. Like, this was, they were, they were, this was, uh, this was illegal. They okay. were escaping to this. Okay. Um, uh, what was allowed was services where either a slave master or some kind of black preacher trustee that they got to kind of mm-hmm. quote their stuff, you know, like, hey, make sure you tell them to obey their masters and mm-hmm. make sure you tell them what Paul said here and, you know, whatever. Right. Um, but no, they, w- they would sneak off and have their own church services and the stuff that would happen there is just amazing. Like, that's where they wrote the Negro spirituals. Okay. On a whim. And so they were doing collectively, basically without without the scripture or knowledge of the scripture to some extent okay because i mean it's not like they were like formally trained or studying yeah. i mean they a lot of them you know had enough ability to read a little bit but the bible mm-hmm. is such complicated literature i mean they were they basically just had really good godly instincts mm-hmm. and were taking certain doctrinal aspects of the bible and making a faith out of it mm-hmm. okay um but yeah a lot of these negro spirituals were written kind of like freestyles like just like collectively them together singing everyone adding a portion like mm-hmm. you you look up negro spirituals and they never have like a solo like originator yeah they were a lot of times collectively like, written okay. and of and you know it's it's known by a lot of people but it's important to say a lot of them were written um with double um play on words mm-hmm. Um, it would seem like they were talking about going to heaven when they die, being with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and oftentimes they were actually, it was encoded stuff of how to escape to the north. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, which is, I mean, brilliant. And and then they, of course, also used the songs to um, to coordinate their labor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you're, you're singing and you can kind of you know get a rhythm going with mm-hmm. your with your labor um so they'd often sing the songs while they were out in the field collectively um uh but i mean like you know kind of that was the look of it i mean you either had kind of a plantation bound or you know kind of restrictive plantation mm-hmm. kind of you know faulty church service or you had the like real black church where they went and got it in Right. Out in their little <clears throat> spot out <throat> in the in the in the marshes, and so um, I'm trying to think if there are any other um, kind of distinctives well, so, about what so that. Yeah, what would ahead. be some like you mentioned things that happen in those times? Were there any like record or, or writings of like some of the things that would happen in those services in the marshes? Yeah, 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 yeah. So um, the uh, that was kind of the beginning of call and response. Okay. So there was a, there was a sense of like um, the pastor would 
say something and you would either finish his statement or he okay. would say something and you would repeat it he or she because actually that's a huge thing like they okay. they the the um a lot of the slave church and a lot of that early um antebellum south church uh did push some gender stuff okay. there there were um female bible teachers and people who felt called fe- women who felt called by god to teach the bible of course that we saw that in the north a bunch uh-huh. too which that you just i don't talk about the north much it's not that it's not important it was a much more intellectual brand of christianity with mm-hmm. a lot of the guys that i named earlier um and it was and their contribution is massive they wrote amazing stuff those are a lot of the like the sophisticated critiques of like you know hey i can't do this if i'm a slave you know all that that right. came from those northern writers okay. more so than it came from um the slaves whose arguments were actually really brilliantly simple um slave masters told them uh you're not human and they looked around their small ecosystem, the only world they knew, and they said, well, I'm not a pig, I'm not a dog, I'm not these other animals that are on this plantation, right. so I must be made in the image of God and human. I mean, uh-huh. beautiful, 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 beautiful right. uh, ways to fight back and critique against white supremacy. But yeah, the, the services would look like so a lot of call and response, um, which you still, like a lot of things that were, that happened, maintained. Mm. So the the energetic nature the crowd participation thing um the call and response was to ensure that a a very illiterate uh group of people could understand the sermon Mm -hmm. so i say it you repeat it you know or i say it you know we've talked about this at multiple services you finish what i'm about to say you know so similar to what i would do with like a group of kids you know Mm -hmm. to ensure comprehension and engagement with yeah. you know with with the with the uh with the sermon um and uh so there was that aspect i mean th- there was a lot of preaching styles that developed mm-hmm. um the, the 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 raw ecclesiastical nature we can never know mm-hmm. right because it wasn't well observed and it wasn't super well documented okay but we we have some kind of general idea of traditions that have stuck and stories about why those traditions stuck okay. if that makes sense mm-hmm. um and so uh so yeah i mean which is why i'm like give me a time machine i want to see it i right. want to experience it you know <laughs> like but um but yeah so so that's the slave era any more thoughts questions um, for i guess past that were era? they at all aware that Christianity was, um, I don't want to say originated in Africa, but very influenced by Africa. Um, That's such an interesting question. You know, you don't hear a lot of record of that or see a lot of record of that, but you would have to assume that they had some basic, so much of Christianity had a lot of its orthodoxy as far as doctrinal statements origin from North Africans mm-hmm. like Athanasius, Origen, um, uh, eventually uh, Saint Augustine, mm-hmm. um, and you know, um, or Augustine, um, and uh, I mean a lot of that the the Coptic Church in uh, in um, Egypt. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, we literally have a story in Acts about a, a Ethiopian eunuch, mm-hmm. um, the first person ever to carry the cross uh, for Jesus was an African, okay. Simon of Cyrene, and uh, um, I'm saying all this to say there was there was a lot of Christianity in Africa. It wasn't. It didn't exactly make it to West Africa yet. Okay. But I would have to imagine it was <clears throat> circulating enough to where there was some ki- there was some kind of knowledge of it. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of knowledge of Islam among during this time. Slaves. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some, some, some kind of back like, oh, someone's mentioned that before, like okay. you know yeah, that kind yeah, of yeah. thing. It hadn't really permeated West Africa yet, but it was getting there. Okay. So even just a helpful dispel on the notion that we needed a slave Atlantic trade of human bodies as cattle or chattel mm-hmm. to bring Christianity to Africa is absurd. It was going to get there because it was already there. Mm-hmm. It was already in other parts of the continent and was stretching to other parts of the continent. Right. <laughs> you know? Uh-huh. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that would they have had a knowledge of it? Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think the best answer is maybe. Mm-hmm. Um it is fair to say that some of their first interaction with Christianity would have happened on American soil. Okay. A lot of them. Mo- the, the vast majority of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So then we move to the, you know, Jim Crow post-slavery era. Mm-hmm. Um, y'all, if I'm sticking too heavy in the South, it's because that's where I'm from. So it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just, you know, like I said, there's a lot of Northern influence on the black church mm-hmm. to say the least but you know just mm-hmm. the south is just it's a very comfortable place that it's just easier to do research on and think through because mm-hmm. i understand it and i know it and i you know and then yeah. and it had the most aggressive aspects of racism as far as like the most like noticeable and like overt aspects of racism were happening in the south or at least continuing in the south you know mm-hmm. right. um and so yeah jim, jim, jim crow era this is when you get uh you you finally actually get black denominations okay you know people aren't slaves anymore so they start making actual churches mm-hmm. ironically enough immediately post-slavery some of these churches were actually multi-ethnic okay um a good bit of them actually but the problem was that they weren't multi they is similar to the multi-ethnic churches we have today where oftentimes it's just it's still whitewashed you yeah. know we're at that point um you said we're in the uh jim crow mm-hmm. just, okay. just post-slavery just think post-slavery. okay mm-hmm. so post-slavery were were black people able to go to uh seminaries or, or like what point would not, immediately. not immediately it took okay. some time yeah um, now you, you now like I said, you had some northern people that were northern black people that were incredibly educated, mm-hmm. like you know, uh, because they had more act that slavery ended sooner and they just had a little bit more access to aspects of society. Mm-hmm. Boy, was racism alive and well in the north. <laughs> Do your research, it was aggressive, yep. you know, it's very aggressive, mm-hmm. but um, just a little bit less restrictive mm-hmm. on black people in the north, but yeah, it took a little bit of time, but um. But yeah, this is when, um, so yeah, some the churches were, were multi-ethnic, but still segregated, ultimately. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, especially if there were two levels of the service, like there was an upper kind of 
area and then a balcony and then a lower area mm-hmm. um uh, black people would be relegated to the upper balcony kind of out of sight out of mm-hmm. mind not really a part of the ecclesiastical structure um famous story richard allen and some of his contemporaries or friends were late going to church a church that had this kind of very set up um and uh they just got in late and decided to go to the altar and just pray on the bottom level. Mm-hmm. They were harassed and had trustees take them out of the church service. And they left and every other black person in the church <laughs> left. Okay. And yeah, and that was the birth of the AME Church, okay. um, the African um, Methodist, Methodist Episcopal Church. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of Methodist, Baptist, Episcopal, like yeah, like. So that that story you're saying that that happened at a black, at a black church. At a or at a multi multi ethnic church. Okay. Yeah, and the white people kicked them out, and that and all the oh, black okay. people left. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, yeah, so Richard Allen's very, very well known, very famous. Um, uh, I'll call him black church patriarch father you know in america for mm-hmm. sure um this is like philadelphia area so so northern you know mm-hmm. um uh and in this kind of did not this kind of you know building of denominations and things of that nature i think a thing to harp on because it did get a little silent just to be honest like mm-hmm. there, there wasn't as much of the explosive nature of attacking racism in this era um not for any other reasons other than it's what was so effective about jim crow Mm -hmm. jim crow was such a beautiful way to relegate and subjugate a group from just so many levels of media you know, like broad access. Um, and I think there was a sense in, in this era of like black people just being like, well, we'll just make our own here now. You know, we kind of have our own autonomy for the first time really in American right. history okay. broadly. And and we'll just kind of design our own. And so it, 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 there was a little bit less of an interaction with white supremacy, if you will. Mm-hmm. White supremacy more came for you than you had to, you know, like, go push against it okay it it, example would be like black wall street like this beautiful black mecca you know wakanda if you will Uh of just like black owned businesses and churches and banks and just a whole just like black community just with all of their resources just funneling in amongst themselves and trickulating in amongst themselves and then you have just a bunch of angry white people who saw it and came and burned it down it's it's simplistic but that's basically what happened so would you say slavery the black church existed but it was less institutional is that fair yep post-slavery was there kind of a push for black people among black people to maybe try to integrate into white churches or did they just immediately go into I, I think they're, like I said, a little bit of the multi-ethnic flavor for a okay. little bit, especially in the North, and then 
ultimately like white churches were just like you you just, can't be okay and, yeah and, and so and that's yeah, when that was the, black churches became more institutional yeah 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 created their own their own thing exactly okay. so the black church exists because the white church was racist okay yeah, yeah. that that's literally that yeah. that's just the reality and that's not surprising at all that makes a lot of that's, sense, that's <laughs> a lot of sense with the, history the black of schools exist because white schools are racist there you go <laughs> <laughs> black there restaurants go. exist because white yeah <laughs> there you go, go on. okay there you go. yeah you know and and uh and and the and the saga continues what's important to note here before we get to the civil rights movement are just the differences that begin to the the distinctive flavors of these two uh church movements so oversimplifying here with just saying the white church because there was obviously white progressive churches and white conservative churches mm-hmm. um, there were different denominations different denominations had some different sensibilities mm-hmm. some white denominations were a little bit more empathetic to the to the plight of black people some weren't mm-hmm. so it is kind of an over generalization to say the white church mm-hmm. but unfortunately for the sake of communication in this conversation I'm just going to have to say the white church right. um, so just just you know listeners just know that that is an over essentialization but at the same time it's overwhelmingly prominent that these are aspects that were a part of the white church right and then other aspects that were a part of the white church mm-hmm. um and some of the distinctives some of the distinctives were the the black church was a little bit more of a kind of instinctual kind of more jazz more free flow expression Mm-hmm. So you had the um, the popular preaching styles that developed in the black church, like whooping. Um, basically, it's like this like really deep breath delivery. You've heard it a million times, like the and well, then Jesus, okay, okay. you know, and then just like the yeah, like that whole thing, okay. like which is a which is actually a pretty masterful way of communicating. Um, Martin Luther King kind of had a a little bit. He little he bit. hated it. He hated the right idea here. of it. Yeah, growing up, he was like, "Oh, you do that, and then you lose a little bit of the substance of like, come on, make sure you're teaching me something, not just uh-huh. entertain uh-huh. me up there, you know." Right, right, okay. But but there was certainly, I mean, dude, the third generation black preacher, like, uh-huh. yeah, he okay, had yeah. he had that, he had that, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so so some of the distinctive styles, just in the aesthetic, and there's all kinds of different ways that. Uh, Church governance is different among black churches. Mm-hmm. Aspects of the service, uh, black churches tended to be a little bit more liturgical than evangelical, Protestant, like Baptist churches. Mm-hmm. Um, theologically and ideologically, they were distinct, and the white church tended to focus more on epistemological conversations, like. Who is God? You know, okay. uh, you know, did Jesus raise from the dead? You know, the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of more of the quote-unquote essentials conversation, like all the, you know, uh, essentials of the faith type mm-hmm. stuff. And more of the kind of a heady, ethereal stuff, you know, like the white church would be quicker to talk about a controversy of how many angels could st- stand on one pin than they were to talk about a social ethical problem, okay. if you will. And yeah. and if they did talk about a social ethical problem, it's very similar to today, where it's one where they're pushing against some sort of... This group of people needs Jesus. We need to reach out to yes. <laughs> share the gospel with, or even with like, poor... Or even like, hey, there's this new intellectual conscious movement and we're just going to reject it, okay. you know, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, 
you know, Scopes trial. Oh, they're teaching evolution in schools. Okay, yeah, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, whereas the black church focused more on ethical issues. Okay. Uh, uh, and, and that was a huge aspect of their Bible teaching was going to be to focus more on social and ethical issues. Mm-hmm. And sometimes those social and ethical issues were fairly conservative, like don't drink, don't dance. Mm-hmm. And, but oftentimes those social and ethical issues were, uh, you know, challenges to racism, challenges to power, you know, military abuse, mm-hmm. um, uh, women's suffrage, things of that nature mm-hmm. were aspects that the black church, especially racism, they were a bulwark of theological work done by African-American preachers during this time against racism. Mm-hmm. Um, another distinction would be kind of in the more classical style of the white church, their Bible teaching tended to be more lecture style, stoic, um, whereas African-American Bible teaching tended to be more um, narrative, uh, parabolic, um, uh, they they tend to focus more on Old Testament stories and extrapolating ideas out of that, mm-hmm. whereas the white church tended to overly focus on Jesus' salvation issues, not even like the wholeness of the Gospels, but like the end of the story, death and resurrection, and kind of the explanatory um, epistles of Paul, and like that's kind of where they hung. Mm-hmm. Um Another thing that's important, so those are the distinctions, but another thing that's important to note is this is the first time that you do get to see, obviously, black people going to seminaries. Okay. But what seminaries could they go to? They couldn't go to the white conservative ones, right? Mm-hmm. So they went to the liberal ones. Okay. <laughs> right? Yeah. So they went to the ones where they learned a lot of kind of advanced thoughts about textual criticism and is this really historical in the Bible? You know, uh, what do we do with the virgin birth? What do we do with the resurrection? They learned more about the social gospel and, and, and you know, um, <clears throat> socialism, communism. Like, those were a lot more, their, 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 their theological education tended to be a lot more progressive. Okay. Um, which does not mean that the black church was always super duper progressive because a not lot of black who was going yeah but not everybody went to seminary right, you know a lot okay. of black preachers were just homegrown my daddy taught me how to preach mm-hmm. rural context but a lot of times you would get black uh people that would have the ability to go off to mm-hmm. school get education at a more liberal progressive school um and uh and and be about martin Luther king is a literally the prime example of this mm-hmm. went and got so much education in um at more um progressive institutions right. and uh theological training so mm-hmm. uh so i guess when when you mentioned that black churches kind of focused a lot on racism mm-hmm. or fighting racism would they do it in I guess, first I'll just say, what do you mean more it's like fighting white supremacy? Okay, so white supremacy, so, um, which obviously is racism. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, w- I guess, in, would they organize and maybe some sort of protest, or would they just kind of teach against it and just kind of equipping people, like, why certain things are wrong? So here's the thing. A lot of, a lot of this period up before the Civil Rights Movement was 
kind of a really quiet period where you didn't have a lot of protest and upheaval. So you had big names. You had Du Bois, Booker T. Neither of them are like the first person you mentioned when you talk about the black church. Mm -hmm. I mean, their spirituality was not very important to their uh, intellectual uh, uh, contributions. Mm -hmm. Um, But... You know, this era just went a little quiet for a couple of reasons. One, you didn't have a camera, <laughs> so you didn't have a space where you could do what the civil rights movement ended up doing, which is like, let's put racism on TV. Mm-hmm. Let's right. let's let people look at people hit us with stuff and water hose us and put off us to jails and all that. Um, a lot of intimidation during this time period. Mm-hmm. A lot of lynchings. A lot of lynchings. Okay. So a lot of more quiet black churches mm-hmm. if that makes sense like out of sometimes fear and intimidation out of sometimes let me just preach amongst my people we're already segregated um a lot of stuff uh that that led to a little bit more of a quiet era of mm-hmm. the black church as far as like really loudly protesting white supremacy okay um uh which is which is an which is a you know is it is an overarching statement. There's so many examples to the contrary, but just kind of an overall thing, right? right. Um, and uh, and so in this era, you just kind of get a lot of uplift of each other, uplift of ourselves. Okay. Sermons were more focused on that, you know, and that's kind of that's kind of what that era was. It was kind of a building of the institutions of the black church, really starting to build black life, particularly mm-hmm. in the South. Um, and uh, a lot of things going on historically, mass migration, wars. I mean, you know, great migration, a lot of black people to the north, a couple world wars, like a lot of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, just the basics of that era is just, it was kind of a stabilizing and institutionalizing time of the black church, um, more formally trained Bible teachers, and really was all of the, proper ingredients to lead to a black church a powerful black church movement that was really ready to attack Jim Crow okay. by the time you get to the late 40s mm-hmm. 50s 60s right gotcha. um, so civil rights era is so self explanatory as far as the, the beauty of the black church because it's just obvious it, it, is, it, is, it is the most iconic era mm-hmm. of the black church yeah. is, this, is the civil rights era mm-hmm. um you, you basically just have, you had a lot of black organizations that were kind of building, like the NAACP mm-hmm. and CORE and different organizations like that, Urban League, um, uh, Freedom, you know, Riders, all these different movements, sit-ins, all these different movements that were happening, all these different mm-hmm. groups, organizations. Um, and you basically just had the black church effectively partner with and use a lot of those organizations uh to uh have a effective movement against jim crow Mm -hmm. um uh you know you had big massive legislative wins like board versus the you know uh brown versus the board of education you had the big boycott in montgomery the bus boycott you know Mm -hmm. Yeah, massive wins, and a lot of those massive wins were a combination of the black church linking up with all these 
black orgs and organizations that were already beginning to develop kind of post-slavery for a while. Yeah. Um, and I think this is, I've been waiting on when's the best time to do this. Here's the time to do this. It's so interesting to me that so much of the conversation modernly is how it's a lot of the myths today is like how intellectually vapid the black church is in comparison to the white church. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, people will make like a valid argument of like, well, you know, the white church has so much time to be in seminaries and, mm -hmm. you know, have go to be in academic spaces and so forth. Um, we could sit on this topic for a little bit before we get to the modern black church. The black church has intellectually bodied the white church for the entirety of American history. Mm -hmm. I, I mentioned some of the arguments that they used right. against slavery, the potent arguments that they've, and pungent arguments that they've used, that they used against Jim Crow and against white supremacy in general. It literally hits its apex in honestly the person of Martin Luther King who was an intellectual powerhouse mm -hmm. against so much of what was racism in 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 America during his time it for all of the mythological nature of how we talk about how the black church is kind of this surface like not super intelligent like not super orthodox sometimes can slip into heresy just out of ignorance you know blah 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 like, they've always dominated the debate mm -hmm. between with with the white church and have all, and in many ways have consistently had in a especially in a lot of their leadership and a lot of their bigger figures people who i mean quite frankly the white evangelical church in this country couldn't hold a candle to intellectually mm -hmm. and all those arguments ultimately the white church lost mm -hmm. when it's interesting that that is the case when I guess that kind of just goes to show like sometimes education isn't, isn't the requirement for being intellectual if that, yes. yeah 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 sometimes you sounds kind of backwards well sometimes but, you just go off obviously one your own like God given instincts right but two it's just whenever the black church has had even the slightest amount of access to resources mm -hmm. they just used it infinitely more infinitely more effectively mm -hmm than their white contemporaries they just did like i mean it's just like they had crisp clean argumentation constantly against and you know someone could well they were just right and it's like yeah sure but someone's always right in a debate especially when you're talking about like these kind of rights and ethical issues mm -hmm. it was how they were able to formulate their opinions and how mm -hmm. I mean, look at the letter from a Birmingham jail and how beautifully it critiques so much of society, mm -hmm. you know? And so, you know, I, I keep saying Martin Luther King, and I, I hate to do that because it, it, it's such a wide array of different people that did such an amazing job of mm -hmm. kind of intellectually um, uh, deconstructing white supremacy. But, like, I just think it's, I, I think it's important to note that, like, the history of the black church is a history of intellectual savvy and beautiful critical critique mm -hmm. of America. And 
it is interesting to me that even today, me and you get told, well, real Orthodox theology comes from the tradition of the Jonathan Edwards, the George Whitfields, you know, those guys. And I'm like, yeah, but they ended up all being wrong theologically. Mm-hmm. So why why not follow the Jupiter Hammonds and the John G's and the Jarena Lees and, you know, like the Ella Claus and, and the Martin Luther Kings and the Fannie Lou Hamers who were constantly theologically right? Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, it's so interesting that we got told our whole life, oh, no, 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 go read John Piper, go read John MacArthur. And I'm like... What about all these black preachers who are following in a tradition where they uh, theologically have kind of been correct for 400 years now? You know, do, like, do you think that has to do with just the simple fact that they were, I guess, in the margins? Mm-hmm. That's that's really all that was. I, I think so. You're right. I, I, I mean, think so. Just, just, like, just more humanity comes from that. I mean, mm-hmm. you're not in power. You're not blinded by power. It's actually one of the arguments that Jupiter Hammond mm-hmm. used. Uh, he was the first um, published... Um, uh, writer, black writer, mm-hmm. and uh, he—that was one of the arguments he used when he talked to the slaves. He was like, "Yeah, guys, like you guys uh, actually have an advantage. We have an advantage because we can't be corrupted by the riches of this world because mm-hmm. of our condition, because of the reality in which we live. We we're not corrupted by the riches and the the kind of." the glimmering and shining aspects of this world because we're deprived of all of that. And right. it, and, it, and he said he actually made an argument that it made us, it was easier for us to focus on the true nature of who God is mm. and, and to focus on, and to focus on being um, moral, accountable people, you know? Right. So yeah, I, yeah. And literally that argument has been made throughout black church mm. history to your point. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I want to obviously stay on history, but just kind of today, would you, would you make that same argument of, uh, John Piper, for example, I don't know if he's ever been in the margins. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. is that like something that you value in a the- theologian I, today? It's pretty, it's a, it's a pretty consistently proven, um, thing mm-hmm. that someone, well, look, it's in the Bible. Jesus said, You'll find me there. Hmm. He, it, you know, Matthew 25. He's like, where are you going to find me? With the, I am the person that you need to give water to who's thirsty, that you need to feed who's hungry, that mm-hmm. you need to clothe who doesn't have clothes, that you need to visit in prison. Like, I am that guy. Mm-hmm. And you're going to find me there. And so I think when people find Jesus in the margins, they end up having a much more complicated and beautiful imagination of who he is than people who find him in prosperity. Mm. And <clears throat> it's just, we've just known that to be true, that Christianity just thrives in the margins. And oftentimes, when it is in the atmosphere of prosperity, it becomes arrogant and oppressive. Mm. It, it's just kind of a proven rule. And so, yeah, it, that is my litmus test. I like to read people who come from the margins. Mm. I just think they, they just know God better. I mean, you know, like I, <laughs> right. I do. I, they've had to lean on it more, mm-hmm. you know. And so, I think they know God better. Yeah. The transition is interesting because when you step into the modern context, mm-hmm. you kind of get these two streams. So you get this personal responsibility stream. And you get the systemic critique stream. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
honestly just the two polarizing aspects of American society <laughs> right. broadly, period. But yeah. So you get like the you get you get two kind of flavors of the personal responsibility thing. So you get the um you get the prosperity gospel aspect of the of the uh personal responsibility. Mm-hmm. So it is, you know, um so just think each era of black church history is really defined by the white supremacy that is surrounding it. Mm-hmm. And you step into like seventies till now, like the white supremacy just looks different. Mm-hmm. It's not as overt, it's more covert. It's now we can attack poor communities and disproportionately or yeah, like hit black people. Right. You know, like mass incarceration wasn't race based, but mm-hmm. we see the racial disparities within it. Once you segregate people racially and by class basically mm-hmm. you can just go by you class. You can just target areas. Yeah, you can just and, target and, and and go by class, exactly. Mm-hmm. So and so and you still have you still have the intention of doing it's just it can now be more behind the scenes and systemic mm-hmm. than it is you getting called the N word all the time, you mm-hmm. know? Right. And so with this, I think there we're now we have been in an era where I think there has been okay, this is an interesting thing to say, but so much of the black church's reality is predicated on fighting white supremacy. Mm-hmm. It, it it almost like has no reason to exist outside of that, oddly enough. You know, because its whole existence is predicated on white supremacy forcing it into existence. Mm-hmm. Um and so when it has no overt white supremacy to challenge, there's confusion until there's clarity. And so in the confusion, you get the you, well, you get the prosperity gospel where you got a preacher who's in front of a whole bunch of oftentimes under-resourced people and mm-hmm. poor people. Sometimes a lot of prosperity churches are also hubs of middle class, upper middle class black people. So not always poor, mm-hmm. but but you do oftentimes have black preachers in front of a lot of poor people and then there's God gonna pay them bills if you pray, mm-hmm. you know. Um uh the reason you six cause you ain't got no faith yet, you know, and, and, and you know, the reason that, you know, um you still stuck in this rut is cause where's your faith? You know, where you know the Lord, you know, and so this mm-hmm. spirituality personal responsibility thing where it's like you're failing in your spirituality therefore you're lacking in your you know physicality I guess yeah and uh-huh. substance you know uh-huh. um, uh, or sustenance and then the other stream of it is just straight up like pull your pants up mm-hmm. come on we gotta, we gotta start picking ourselves up we gotta start doing better mm-hmm. um, what's interesting about this is it, it has completely isolated a younger generation of black folks Mm -hmm. because what musical genre have they been leaning in for the last 50 years hip-hop which is a very edgy and irreverent musical genre Mm -hmm. and then you're going to these buttoned up places where everyone's telling you that you're the reason that black people aren't advancing (laughs) in society Uh and it's just like well f this as soon as i get old enough and stop going to church Mm -hmm. so you literally have like a, a bunch of rappers black actors a lot of black people that originally grew up in the black church Mm -hmm. but it it didn't connect because it was constantly 
condescending and paternalistic mm-hmm. uh, because we started pointing the finger at each other instead of pointing the finger at white supremacy. Mm-hmm. So then the other stream that's not that stream with those two flavors is the obviously the system the systemic critique and i would say the continuation of the true tradition of the african-american church mm-hmm. and in that you got people like william barber uh reverend william barber up in north carolina um who is just a bulwark against white supremacy such a great theologian and 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 just exegeter of the bible but um it very much digs into the political will have you know politicians that he'll allow to come to church so that he can grill them i mean they come and mm-hmm. he puts them on stage and asks them about their policies and you know are you going to be a good people for my people to vote for you know like that kind of stuff and then just so many other you know when we talk about the black church i mean we can always talk about people who are behind the pulpit but i like to talk about you talk about somebody like jamar tisby mm-hmm. who at this point is a legend wrote the color of compromise has been a very helpful historian and, and resource for so many so much of black history and, and as a christian um cornell west christian academic mm-hmm. um nina turner state senator for uh ohio and um avid christian progressive mm-hmm. um so you, you just have you, now it just looks so different i mean of course you got a slew of great black theologians today mm-hmm. um but like even out but even outside of the pulpit you just have a bunch of people who are like i am loudly christian mm-hmm. and loudly calling out white supremacy as a as a faithful believer in christ and as a um as a product of the black church right and so those are kind of, kind of the two <clears throat> streams we see today where where do you think the uh we gotta pull our pants up you know we gotta where do you think that type of i guess theology kind of emerged because that doesn't seem to kind of line up with mm-hmm. really <laughs> so ultimately the black church what's history. interesting is there's just always just been two streams of the black church there's okay. been the uncle tom stream and the, and the <laughs> uh-huh. And the legitimate voice of protest of our ancestors. Okay. I mean, we d- it just ha- like so you have the, um, you know, remember the pastor that is elected by the white plantation owner, and mm-hmm. you know, is the is the you know they're the Geppetto, and he's just you know mm-hmm. Pinocchio, and just says whatever they tell them to, and right. they pull the strings, and and we've kind of always had those assimilating sellouts Mm. and what happened was they were pretty obvious and critiqued and yeah like i said it's it's never an exact science like you know they were people who were kind of like that but also were very respected black preachers and and through in that portion of their time and so it, it is what it is but like you literally have martin luther king speaking against guys like this that mm-hmm. were being unhelpful and to the civil rights movement and in many ways a detriment to it even as a black pastor and famous black pastors that were mm-hmm. called out for that kind of behavior but it's kind of always been here it's kind of always been in the stream it's kind of had its own stream it's okay. it's it it it's gotten but it's gotten louder in the modern context because mm-hmm. now there's not 
blatant over and it's hard i just i don't know how to say this maybe help me articulate because it's like we all know that the statistics are blatant that there's racism today with mm -hmm. all the disparities it's just not as it's not as like named in the legislation Mm -hmm. and because of that it's just easier for black people to look around and be like well there's nothing holding us back but us now Mm. and then to just use their theology and pound the pulpit to just point at okay their you know congregants so it's like um so it's 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 always been there and maybe during slavery that would have looked like the slave who preaches to follow whatever his master is saying I guess mm-hmm. would you that's kind mm-hmm. of like a yeah one example of that uh, it's a one <laughs> it's essentially a one to one yeah I mean I not obviously the contexts are different and there are a lot of very well meaning genuinely well meaning black Bible teachers who mm-hmm. are in that stream yeah who I'm sure the slaves were well meaning there you go <laughs> see thank you thank you like I don't want to give them too much benefit of the doubt because it's true mm-hmm. you know it's like you can be well meaning but it's like but you're detrimental mm-hmm. ultimately yeah um and, th- and that's really just a lot of the modern era. A lot of the modern era is us trying to gain our balance back of like, what does it look like to continue to be a bulwark against racism and an effective um, protest and enrichment voice in our community? And there's so many different ways that it looks. You know, a lot of black churches are community centers in underserved areas. Um, a lot of black preachers also get involved in politics, mm-hmm. uh, which white preachers do too. It's just a very different way, you know. It's like, um, but um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, 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 I was like, I could that could turn into another, right, you know, right. like, but um, but yeah. So you you're gonna have a lot of black preachers that are gonna be constantly in town hall and city hall meetings, and mm-hmm. um, that are gonna. Uh, and, you know, make sure they're all their congregants are registered to vote and, you know, things of that nature. And um, and so I think the biggest struggle for the black church today is two things. The black church has always been as bad as it acquiesces to white supremacy. And it's always been as good as it distances itself from white okay, supremacy. Okay. Period. Mm-hmm. At, at its best. It is as far away from white supremacy as possible. Mm. At its worst, it's edging dangerously close to white supremacy. Mm-hmm. You know, it, you know, because you, you, unfortunately, there are some black churches you can go to where it, it's ironic that all the critiques of the young generation or the you know uh, degenerate behavior is basically akin in one to one to like a Tucker Carlson segment. Segment, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it, it, so it's as bad as it leans into that and it's as good as it runs away from that and I think that's one big issue today is I think there's just a lot of black churches that their pastor or a generation ago of their pastor went to seminary for the first time mm-hmm. in the 60s and the 70s you know and where they start getting accepted in the seminaries some of these white conservative seminaries, especially mm-hmm. in the mid to late 80s. Um, you finally see a lot of black preachers end up in a lot of these um, evangelical white conservative seminaries, and it really hurt 
it's their theology. Sometimes they eat the fish and spit out the bones. Sometimes they come out sounding just like John MacArthur, you know. And so, um, and so, yeah, I I think uh, so. I think it's that's a big issue today, and because of that, and because of kind of this more paternalistic, judgy, pointing the finger mm-hmm. thing. I do think the black church has an issue of losing some relevance in the black community today because the most impactful cultural aspect of the black community today is hip hop. Mm. Period. Old, young, it don't matter. Everybody's got favorite hip hop artists. Mm. The old generation, they're just talking about LL Cool J or whatever, but mm. it, they still got it, you know? Right. And so with that, it's hard for a very personal responsibility, judgmental church culture Mm -hmm. to connect with that. Yeah. And so we got to update our theology and get it more in line with communicating with what racism looks like today. Mm -hmm. We're not in Jim Crow. We're not in slavery. So a lot of times we're in a new era and we're using old software. You know, Mm -hmm. and so finding a way to how do we effectively in the black church speak to police brutality? How do we effectively speak to gentrification? How do we effectively speak to? And like I said, there's a large group of black churches doing that. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just. There's a lot of black churches that have just lost relevancy and lost touch Mm -hmm. with a lot of aspects of where the black community is and where American racism is now. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, it's kind of just trying to find that balance. Yeah. Now. Do you think as we get more and more anti-racist as a society and hopefully one day become as anti-racist as possible that there will be, I guess... Will there be a need well, for the well, black well, church? Yeah, will there yeah. be a need for the black church? Yeah, I, I had a feeling you were eventually going to ask this. Um, uh-huh. I actually thought about it before you even came there. I was like, that's going to be a question. That uh-huh. needs to be a question. Right. I think because of the nature of how sacred blackness is, because of what it was originally coined to be as this negative immoral depraved thing Mm -hmm. I think we should always have aspects of our society that affirm the dignity of black people Mm -hmm. and I think all of these marginalized groups as we move more towards an egalitarian society always need to bring aspects of our culture and bring and, and constantly affirm the dignity of those groups as long as America exists. Mm-hmm. Because as long as America exists, the stain of all of the evil when we were not an egalitarian society mm-hmm. will always be there and we always need to affirm that dignity moving forward. Mm-hmm. So do that? does there need to be um, special spaces where black theology is given space and dignity. Yes. What that looks like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. What that looks like 50 years, 30 years from now. Mm-hmm. To your question, I do not think in a, a completely an, 
in a far more anti-racist, far more inclusive, far more egalitarian society that we should have specifically a black church. Mm. Spaces where there is constant reverence and remembrance and even modernization mm-hmm. of what that movement has done throughout mm-hmm. American history, but spaces where exclusively only black people show up to mm-hmm. talk about Jesus in a very anti-racist egalitarian society, I would say no. Mm-hmm. But what it looks like to push that forward is um, is going to be what we just end up doing. I, I trust the black community to bring that history forward into the future and modernize it and continue to affirm black dignity mm-hmm. and continue to have some aspects of black spirituality that are important to nurture our people and the particular things that we've had to experience with racism in our country. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what that looks like. But to your question, I don't think it needs to be <clears throat> the black church mm-hmm. at some point anymore. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. So maybe more of a church that affirms and in, is influenced heavily by that's, black culture. Yeah, I think that's great, right? Interesting, okay. You know, I think that's great. I, I, I think, man, you know, it may be the beauty of what the future could look like is we have churches that have relics and um, aspects of all of these marginalized mm-hmm. faith traditions um, and the best of progressive white churches as well mm-hmm. brought into that space, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah, yeah. That's probably, that's probably the best way for it to continue to live mm-hmm. without like just constantly being a weird hub of exclusivity. Mm-hmm. Um, because the point of its exclusivity is exclusivity. Mm-hmm. They were trying to get into the other spaces and were told no so they made something Mm -hmm. and so when those spaces are fully egalitarian and not just saying hey come here and experience racism but come here and experience anti-racism then yeah Mm -hmm. maybe we can eliminate the space but bring all those aspects to it so yeah that that that's a good one i've never thought about that aspect of just like having multi-ethnic churches that bring so much of what the black church has been into it Mm -hmm without being exclusively a black church. So that was mm-hmm. that that's a really good um, that's a really good thought of how that can move forward and modernize. Yeah. Um, and I guess since you mentioned that there's somewhat of a disconnect generationally. Generationally. Mm-hmm. Do, I guess would you think that would you say that right now maybe there's a in some sense a black church kind of reawakening or yeah, awakening. yeah, yeah. I do think there's a little bit of a revival or a reformation. Mm-hmm. It's honestly why I love to do work with black youth. Mm-hmm. It, it it's not something I want to do forever, but I I love doing it for now because I I don't want them to forget the Fannie Lou Hamers mm-hmm. or the Martin Luther Kings, and I want them to modernize them and say, man, what does it look like to be Malcolm X in 2030? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to be Martin Luther King in 2040? Mm-hmm. You know, and so. Um, I do think there's a reawakening. I, you can, you can, you know, con, uh, conservatives constantly harp against it, but you can see it in all of the spiritual imagery that constantly ends up in hip hop. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's unintentional. I don't think that's just to mimic or to mock Christianity. I think there are aspects of which 
they want to experience spirituality. They just don't want it to be a judgmental, rigid experience, right. you know. Yeah. And so, I do think that there is, and a reformation and what and a revival and what that looks like. I have no idea, and I think it's going to be, we're going to have to be sitting at a table sixty years from now, looking back, to see how that was bubbling up, yeah. because there's so much going on right now. It's hard to really, you know see how it's matriculating or growing but like mm-hmm. i think when we look back i think we'll see this era as a as a time when the black church took a massive shift mm-hmm. but stayed true to a lot of the core fundamentals that it always had yeah. it's like hip-hop negro spirituals are just the grandparents of hip-hop mm. <laughs> it, seriously it just yeah. looks way different mm. and the content is way different but Boy, do they have it? They, they bl- one bled into the other. Mm. The aspect of freestyling, we talked about, you know, the black church, how they would get together and create Negro spirituals, kind of mm-hmm. um, uh, um, uh, on, on a whim, you mm-hmm. know. Um, and the, the aspects of coded language, of sounding like you're talking about one thing, but actually talking about something else. Mm-hmm. Like, Oftentimes, you're listening to a hip-hop song and you're hearing code words for how to navigate the black market drug industry or mm-hmm. gang life or the hood or whatever. Um, you know, uh, uh, the, um, the, uh, the liberative nature of it. Mm-hmm. It's different because in the Negro spirituals, the liberation was get to the north. In hip hop, the liberation is accumulate wealth mm. and and power in order to have to not be vulnerable anymore, you right. know. And so I could go on all day, but I mean, there is this kind of one fed into the other, mm. and so it's like it. That's I think that's a lot of how it's going to look like for the black church. It's like we're gonna there's going to be so many core fundamental aspects of what the black church has always been that's going to feed into what it's going to look like next but it's going to look so radically different Mm -hmm. that someone would have to sit down and remind you hey this is just the grandchild of that Mm -hmm. if that makes sense yeah um and i guess uh if you're interested in learning about the black church and the history what would you uh what would you recommend starting with We'll put them in the show notes, but I would say, um, one, just read The Good Dr. King. There's so many books that um, just have a collection of his writings. Mm -hmm. I think he's such a favorite of mine, but I honestly think that he is just a kind of climax and peak of everything that the black church was building towards before him. So I I, I really do think that. I, I think that um, just honestly reading and engaging with his stuff, especially as a third generation black preacher, I think that's just going to be massive. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think books like um, Lisa Bowen's um, African American Readings of Paul is really good. Um, Carl Ellis Jr., Free at Last. Um, and then um, the rest of them, um, I'll stick in the show notes because the titles are escaping me right now. But we'll we'll, we'll have them in the show notes for sure. Sounds mm. good. Cool. Yeah. I'll have to look at some of them in the show notes too because uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. Um, it's man. good stuff, bro. And, and doesn't it just feel good to just 
know all the glorious things that happened in your heritage yeah no the, i mean because i wasn't influenced by black theology at least directly mm-hmm. um so yeah no it's it's like mm-hmm. it's huge to just be able to kind of know like okay this was they were it was kind of connected in many ways with uh the liberation of my father grandmother mm-hmm and everybody before them mm-hmm. i think that's really beautiful mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely and isn't it great to celebrate your heritage without becoming a nationalistic bigot and wanting to hold down everyone else's heritage it's a, it's amazing how that can work yeah where I, you can celebrate your heritage and not be a, and not be a a, a, a crazed nationalist that mm. wants to ensure that every other person either embraces your heritage or is eliminated from the planet so mm. yeah. it it, it, it it's great to say, hey, I really appreciate my heritage, and I like how it's contributed to American culture, yeah. not how it's exclusively taking over. Exactly. So, <laughs> so, yeah, this was fun. Um, thank y'all so much for joining us. Um, definitely continue to engage with this conversation um, and with these ideas, because I think that a lot of what the black church has been and taught us is going to be a lot of what Christianity period is going to need to embrace some of these aspects to continue to thrive in the american context um or continue to um even be just be effective in the american context and so um yeah this was fun thank y'all so much for joining us feel free to email us at uh the moral minority show at gmail.com um feel free to hit up myself or kennedy on social media we'd love to engage there And, uh, yeah, Um, you guys join us next time, hopefully. Happy Black History Month.